What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three time travelers that would never bother meeting up with our younger selves with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm just happy to see Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner celebrating their 13 going on 30 reunion. I'm Keith Baker, and I don't know who the godfather of time travel is in this. And I'm Austin Terry, and I would hate my son, too, if he was Ryan Reynolds. Ugh, I think we all would at this point. But <laughs> on today's show, we are, of course, discussing The Adam Project on Netflix. But before we get to that, I want to know what you guys want to use time travel for. I would head way back to 2009, and I'd walk in on the production meeting for X-Men Origins Wolverine, and I'd say, hey guys, don't sew Deadpool's mouth shut, that's a bad idea. And then I'd jump all the way to 2016, and I'd whisper in Ryan Reynolds' ear, hey buddy, people are going to love your movie, but don't play this character over and over, it's bad for your career. I think I would think of the worst hangovers I've ever had in my life, and go back to those nights where I'm drinking, and be like, don't take that shot. Don't take it. And then I'd come in after you and go, do it, Keith. Do it. <laughs> I would want to go back to, uh, similar to Austin, except a different pitch meeting. I just want to hang out in the room when Sean Levy brought up the idea of Big Fat Liar. Obviously, one of probably the greatest movies ever made. Um, and I'd also want to encourage him to, I don't know, I would just want to see him do sequels or maybe just other Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes team ups. I think we were robbed of that in the early 2000s. And God, what I would give to be on the fly on the wall for whenever the person threw out the idea, hey, can we like turn Paul Giamatti blue and then play I'm Blue, that song in the background, and then have Sean Levy go, yes. And I want to be the person retroactively that brought up that idea. I think we were robbed of a good Frankie Muniz career in the 2020s. Well, where is he? What's he doing? (laughs) He was on the uh, Steve O podcast the other day. You you guys should go listen to that. Oh, wow. Highlight. Highlight the Steve O (laughs) podcast. So there you go. Time travel. We just used it for all the most important reasons. And speaking of time travel, guys, let's just go ahead and get into the main topic of the episode. Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds, the team behind last year's Free Guy, have reteamed once again for the new Netflix sci-fi coming-of-age story, The Atom Project. We saw this one was getting early positive buzz and thought it might be a good watch and worth talking about on the show. At best, we might get a Spielberg-esque feeling movie, and at worst, we may just get Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool for the ninth time. Neither sounds too bad, I guess, if you ask me. So, Austin and Keith, give me your non-spoiler thoughts on The Atom Project. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's a fun Netflix movie. I mean, I think it's a good thing this one didn't come to theaters. I think it, getting good buzz and going to Netflix probably helped this one out quite a bit. Um, Ryan Reynolds, you know, he's his usual Deadpool character. He's, he's fine. He's charming. He has some good moments. I think the story starts off on a high note and particularly in the first half of the movie, and then loses steam towards the end. I don't think we get enough time travel to kind of hold my interest for the entire hour, 45-minute runtime. Um, But overall, I had fun. I think if if you just need something to watch, this is a good one to put on. I'm with you there. Good family-friendly movie. Um, Ryan Reynolds was, like you said, and we joked about, funny as usual, kind of plays the same kind of guy, but uh, it works. And I'm a sucker for time travel movies, so... It was fun going into that and seeing what they were what they were gonna do with this one. Um, Mark Ruffalo was cool, I guess. Plays his nerdy Mark Ruffalo kind of character. Um, yeah, I think just best way I can describe it, it's just a fun movie you can put on in the background. You can pay attention to it the first time, second time you watch it. But did it blow me out of the out of the water? No, but I mean, it was cool just to have on. Yeah, I thought it was fun as well. Uh, definitely a good use of, you know, whatever it was, like an hour, 45 minute type thing. Uh, I agree with Austin. If this had gone to theaters, I think it would have, I don't know, I feel like something like this probably would have bombed. I, I, I can't see it doing that well, and it definitely wouldn't have 
felt exciting based on kind of a, the budget or anything like that. But, you know, yeah, I, I thought it was a good time. I enjoyed my time watching it and then just skipping through some scenes before we got on to record today. I was like, oh, yeah, that scene was good. Or, well, that was a heartfelt scene. Oh, that was a funny part. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't really have too much to say about this one, as crazy as that sounds. It, it's a fun premise. Um, definitely agree that the pacing is kind of off. Definitely surprised where it kind of feels like the movie gets started in a good spot. And then it takes over an hour for them to like get to where it seems like the movie's about. I guess I shouldn't spoil what that means exactly. But, you know, it's good. The cast is good. Ryan Reynolds coughs at one point and then he, he got shot and then it makes a farting sound. And I just was like rolling my eyes, but I guess that's what we should expect. So there you go. It came, ba it came back later. And the, the second time later. they did it made me laugh. Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo has one line where he calls Ryan Reynolds a condom with buttons. And I was like, Ryan Reynolds obviously told him to say that. And Ryan Reynolds was probably jealous that he didn't get to say that. Like, oh, my God, are you a condom with buttons? Oh, you, you sloppy motherfucker. <laughs> and then, then Sean Levy was like, sorry, Deadpool. I mean, Ryan, this is PG-13. You can't say that. He's like, oh, forgot. My bad. So that's my review. <laughs> I do think despite this one maybe falling flat in the second half, there are some decent like tugging at the heartstring moments from the from the kind of the big three in this one. Um, and I guess I don't know if I would actually call this one a time travel movie. I know that's the premise, but to me, it's more like a sci fi movie. If you're if you're coming to this one wanting like a fun, like time hopping movie that this isn't the movie for you, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's just the premise really is kind of time travel. Not much else with that. Yeah, it was just it wasn't really time travel like you're not getting in, into a DeLorean and going to all these different years, past self, present self, whatever of these different people. Um, but you're not really seeing any different points of time. They chose 2022 and 2018, which don't look that different. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally just I mean, the premise of the movie is just Ryan Reynolds plays a guy that travels back in time to, you know, to maybe save someone if we want to put it that way and he inadvertently has to team up with his like 12-year-old self and they go on a fun little adventure together. So if that sounds fun for you, then I recommend The Atom Project. And like I said, there's also a part where he coughs and then makes a farting sound. And I've never laughed harder in my entire life. It was the peak of comedy, I would say. So if you want to hear more about our thoughts on The Atom Project, all the juicy details and how it all unfolds, and if you want to hear maybe if there's a couple more, I don't know, maybe there's a couple extra secret, uh, gunshot fart sounds in there if you want to hear about those then get ready because we are dropping the spoiler warning go watch the adam project on netflix and come on back to hear our thoughts or if our review doesn't sound like we're too enthusiastic about it and you're not that enthusiastic about it you don't have to stick around we're gonna talk spoilers go watch greyhound on apple tv plus that's a fun one isn't that a war movie yeah it's tom hanks that's not <laughs> i just i just like that's a fun one <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to spoiler territory. We're about to get into all the juicy details about the Atom Project, how it ends, all the twists and turns. Austin, how about, as always, get me started over on the cast and crew. Alright, so the Atom Project is directed by Sean Levy, who is most well known for Big Fat Liar, Night at the Museum, and most recently Free Guy. And it was also just announced this past weekend that he'll be reuniting with Ryan Reynolds for a third time to direct the upcoming Deadpool 3 and introduce the character to the MCU. Uh, the Adam Project is also written by Jonathan Troper, T.S. Nolan, Jennifer Flackett, and Mark Levin. And our score is composed by Rob Simonson, who you may know from 500 Days of Summer, The Way Way Back, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. And going into our cast, we have Ryan Reynolds as Adam Reed, 
Walker Scobell as young Adam, and fun fact, this was his first ever acting role. Jennifer Garner as Ellie Reed, Mark Ruffalo as Louis Reed, Catherine Keener as Maya Sorian, Zoe Saldana as Laura Reed. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do you got? Yeah, I'll give mine to Walker Scobell. Uh, he's kind of just imitating Ryan Reynolds for the majority of the movie, but I thought this kid was great. He's got some funny moments. He's got some heartwarming moments. And um, acting alongside Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo for your first ever acting job has to be a pretty tough ask, and I thought he knocked it out of the park. I think I'm going to go... She's really only in like the first half of the movie, then there's like some sprinkled scenes there at the end. But I think Jennifer Garner is always great, and I think she brought some much-needed... I think she really grounded the whole mother-son relationship, kind of dealing with this trauma and this death in the family, and kind of just the way the movie worked, where you had Ryan Reynolds as the older Adam, you actually got some interesting insight into how she was feeling, I thought. So I think when we talk about this movie, where anybody talks about the movie, I think they're going to kind of lock into, oh, it's a really cool movie where a dad dies, but then his son gets to travel back in time and meet him again. So I don't think people are going to talk too much about Jennifer Garner as the mother, but I thought she turned in a great performance. Much needed levity and also very emotional and heartfelt when she needed to be. And yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she was great as well. She's kind of the heart of the movie, I think. And uh, I, I was really hoping there was going to be a way for her to get involved with the sons and, and go back and see Mark Ruffalo's character as well. Uh, yeah, I'll shout out Mark Ruffalo. Um, no- normally, Mark Ruffalo kind of annoys me, but in this one, he didn't annoy me, annoy me as much. So... Uh... I'll shout out to him. I thought he's pretty funny. And then I'll also shout out to uh, Walker Scobell as well. You can have kids come in, especially for their like first role or maybe second role, and they, they can be kind of annoying. We could be wrong, but I think the kid in Those Who Wish Me Dead, the one we covered uh, last year, was a bit annoying, I think. I could be wrong. But sometimes you just have those, those child actors that come in for the first, their first few roles, and they just overact. And, but I think this uh, Walker Scobell guy did a really good job as young Adam. He was funny good acting, good performance, so I liked him. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway there is, is Keith is a secret Mark Ruffalo hater. I didn't know that Mark Ruffalo annoyed you, Keith. What do you hate about him? Uh, it just some, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something about Mark Ruffalo that annoys me sometimes. But in this one, I actually liked him. So maybe not even, maybe he's turned a new leaf for me. <laughs> what <are> your, <laughs> well, well, what are your thoughts on his Bruce Banner or the Hulk? Do you hate him in the MCU? Keith is with me. Keith just wants Edward Norton, baby. I get it, Keith. I'm with you. <laughs> so with that, let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion and break this all down. We each brought some points to the table that we felt were worth bringing up. Who wants to start us off? All right, let's dive right into the general story. Um, for as interesting as the plot seems on paper, there's really only two inciting instances, uh, Future Adam arriving in 2020 and then Sorian showing up later to kill him. I just want to know, does, does future and present Adam's dynamic do enough to hold your interest for the majority of the film, or were you hoping for more time travel from this one? I didn't really care about having more time travel. That wasn't something I was hoping going into the movie. Um, it's not even that I needed more sci-fi. I just needed them to do... I don't know. I just needed the movie to be a little bit shorter or just do more, because really it's like once present and future Adam get together, it's kind of just like doing some fun, goofy things like... He, he got shot, so he has to like go to the drugstore, he has to confront present Adam's bullies, and all that's fine and dandy, but it's just, I was just shocked that once we hit the hour mark of the movie, and like including credits, we probably only had like 35, 40 minutes left, and that's when it's like, oh, let's go and meet up with our dad. And it was like, wow, I, I thought that would have kind of happened earlier. So yeah, I, it's not that I needed more time travel or anything, and I thought 
past and future Adam. Like they had a fun dynamic, so it was good enough. It's just I don't know if it was good enough to like warrant kind of an hour of goofing around before it's like the plot really kicked in whenever uh, they got their dad, Mark Ruffalo, on board. And I thought it was kind of weird how older Adam was just automatically at his old house. There was no, there was no point in the movie where he's like, oh, I need to go and find my younger self or anything like that. He's just in the garage already. I didn't mind that he just kind of showed up in the house. Like That wasn't really what was jarring for me. I, the thing that was kind of jarring for me is there's not a lot of set pieces in this movie. You spend a lot of time at the house, then you spend a lot of time in the past at the past house, I guess. So for like a, a time travel, like big cast movie, we don't go to a whole lot of interesting places. And I think maybe I wasn't necessarily needing more time travel, but I was needing them to like go and do more things. And you spend just a lot of time in this kind of tiny town and there's some cool action scenes in there. But other than that, we're just not in very interesting environments for my taste. Yeah, it's also confusing because at first, whenever we find older Adam at the house and he's talking about why he's there and there's even a scene where young Adam's like, I'm 12 years old. And then older Adam's like, 12, shit. And it kind of implies that maybe he didn't go back far enough. So you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I guess now he's forced to team up with his younger self. But then the movie just reveals later that went back in time just in general because he wanted to save his wife. So he's then it's like, oh, so he's not at the house because he was trying to find his dad to stop time travel. He's just at the house randomly, if that makes sense. It's like whenever like they kind of do reveals later, it kind of makes the beginning a little confusing because it's like, you're like, oh, okay, so he has a mission to stop time travel. He has to find his dad, but he didn't go back far enough. That's why he's at the house. But no, he just is there to save Zoe Saldana. Yeah, it's almost implied, too, that like he was trying to catch himself at eight instead of 12, which was, I thought that was going to get kind of interesting. And then you're right, they totally get away from that. And it's like, well, actually, we're here for dad, not me. And how did she know to go to the house in 2022? I don't know. I think she's tracking Sorian's forces. And so uh, when she yeah. finds that Sorian's people show up, mm. she's like, oh, Adam must be there. I guess that's true, because clearly Sorian, like that compound that's nearby, I guess. So I don't know. I think you're right, though, Matthew, that uh, it did take like an hour for them to finally explain what the whole motive was. And then the motive just gets shifted once once it shifts to the uh, the dad. And the motive comes from Zoe Saldana, not yeah. from Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Like Adam's just there to find his wife. And then his wife is like, well, I actually need to go stop your dad. And to answer your opening question, Keith, in this podcast, his father is the godfather of time travel in this movie. I know, but he seems like he, the reason I said that, though, is because he seems like he's a little confused about how the whole thing works as well. I think he's just surprised it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's doing something with wormholes and like pulses. And then I guess he was surprised to find out that in the future, they use that technology to create time travel. He was like, oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> yeah, Keith, you idiot. Sorry, Mark. Well, I kind of already said it earlier and they, they joke about it in the movie, but was it weird for you guys how quickly young Adam realizes and learns who old Adam is and when they're kind of explaining to there's like his scars and their mannerisms and how he can close he, he knows how to close the fridge and all that he knows where everything is in the house and then it, it took like a minute for them to be like oh that's who you are that's cool I liked all the stuff of them doing the same mannerisms and like discovering the scars and all that I thought that was really fun um, and, and I like how kind of smart young Adam is and that he like kind of assumes this early on the thing that was weird for me was how quickly he accepted it I wasn't surprised that he like assumed maybe but then it, it's kind of like a really big thing to see your, your future self here in front of you. And he's, he's on board with it very quickly. 
Yeah, I guess if he had been like 16, that would have been one thing. But I guess we can just assume, you know, he's just a he's just a kid. He's like 12. So I don't know. I guess I'm trying to like picture myself at 12. And if I had met my future self, like almost like it would have just been cool. I'm like, whoa, um, instead of like asking all these questions. So maybe that's why they made him younger. So it's like you can just <laughs> blow past. That. It's like, oh, yeah, he just thinks it's cool and he's accepted. But it was fine. I like the scene a lot. It kind of also is mirrored even quicker with whenever Mark Ruffalo just, I guess his father instincts kick in and he like looks at Ryan Reynolds and is like, Adam? So everybody finds out very quickly about older Adam in this movie. It made more sense for me with, with his father just because he thinks about this stuff all day. So maybe he's just like, it's something he's theorized. So that made a lot more sense for me than, than the 12 year old did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they also kind of like sidestep a lot of the really complicated questions about time travel, like like there's a scene when younger Adam is like, so do you remember all this to his older self? Like, are you, are you remembering this stuff right now? And his older self is just like, it won't happen until I'm, I'm back in my like, concrete timeline. That's when I'll get all these memories. So it felt like they wanted to do a time travel story, but they didn't want to dive into some of the more interesting aspects of time travel itself. Did, did that work for you guys? Yeah, I mean, for the keeping the length of the movie uh, as it was, yeah, it worked for me. I would have hated if this movie was like three hours long. If we go, if he does go back to 2050, and that, that there's a whole another story right there. He has these new memories now, and now he's got to change 2050 and all that. See, if if you're presenting an interesting time travel story that has a lot of like really cool questions to think about, I, I'm fine with the longer runtime as long as it's justified. Yeah, I don't know. Time travel's talked about so much when it comes to movies and TV because it's just such a hard thing to do without the audience asking questions. So you either have to do something that's just totally so much fun that you don't worry about it, like Back to the Future, which you know has implications of time travel, but it's just such a fun movie that it's like, oh, who cares? Uh, or you do what Looper did, which I always love, you know, what Ryan Johnson and that team did, which is they just have Bruce Willis come back from the future and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as younger self is asking all these questions and Bruce Willis is just like, okay, shut up. It's time travel. Just who cares? It's confusing. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions and then make it make sense. So you either do that. The Adam Project did like a weird kind of middle ground where it's like, I was having a good time, so I didn't ask that many questions. But you are right. They did. They kept saying weird things. They kept saying confusing things, like talking about fixed time. And then I guess we'll get to the ending later. But there's a very weird implication at the ending of how that works, where it's like, all right, bye, Dad, we're going back to our timelines. But then I guess both of those versions just cease to exist because they go back to their own time, but in the past. Like, young Adam just goes back to a few days before with his mom, and older Adam goes back, like, I don't know, he's in college again? Very strange. So I guess you'd be kind of just have to either let it go or not. But I agree with you, the writers, I think they put too many references to time travel where I kept asking questions that I didn't want to be asking. Well, I guess because they destroyed time travel, that the future things beyond where they went to can exist because older Adam can't come back to younger Adam. So he can't go back to that day. And then older Adam's never going to become a, a time travel pilot. So he has to go back to flight school and learn kind of a different career. Oh, is that what you thought it was? Oh, that's how I took it. Interesting. Yeah, that's how I took it, too. I weirdly thought he went back to his own time, but in the past, like he was just in college again. But I see what you're saying. That makes more sense. Okay. I thought he was in flight school again. Yeah, it was clearly like he, he wasn't being a time travel pilot. He was just being a pilot, I guess. Okay. So we've talked about 2050 quite a bit, and it's kind of implied that they need to stop time travel because the future is so bad. 
but they just tell us that the future is really bad and we never see it. I don't think they do a very good job of establishing the stakes in this one. Do you think we should spend more time in the future just to kind of understand what we're fighting for here? Yeah, it would have been cool to get at least one scene before we get to the scene where he's like crash landing. Yeah, that's all we needed was like a, like a quick maybe five, ten minute scene. Or even with the, like the opening opens with him stealing that plane. Maybe that first attempt doesn't work. You take us back down to the future. He's like in prison or something for a little bit just so we can see it. And then he steals another plane. I just wish we could have seen what the future actually looks like and why it's so bad with Soriot and Control. I didn't really care that we didn't see it. I was fine with them just saying it's like fucked up and we got to stop it. But if they weren't going to show us it, then they needed to spend more time with Catherine Keener's villain, I think. We needed to know more about her and why she was doing what she was doing and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think I'm okay with not seeing it, but I'm surprised that we didn't get more from her because, like you said, the stakes are kind of all over the place in this movie. And it felt like if they developed that character more, then that would have helped a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think it also ties into the pacing issue. It's just like, okay, the stakes are very clearly set. We got to stop time travel. And it's like, okay. But then that's when they introduce Mark Ruffalo's character, who he's strangely, he's not at all on board with the plan. Like he like bails basically to go back home. And then like he just shows up at the very end, like I'm here to help. It's like, okay. So yeah, yeah, I agree. The stakes are kind of off. I wish we could have found out more about this villain to help with that. Yeah, that's my other kind of big critique of the movie is the villain has zero screen time. I don't really understand this character. I, I guess she wants to be rich. But other than that, I don't understand what her motivations are and how her future self got so dark that she's willing to shoot a 12-year-old kid at the end of the movie. Especially with her her 2018 self is kind of being influenced by her future self. So was her future self that way because of her other future self and another timeline came back to right. influence her? That whole time loop was getting confusing to me as well, or she just be, kind of became that way over time. And it could have been a really cool villain, because we get to see her before she's a villain, and then her future self is the villainous person. It could have been really interesting, but shes I think she has six minutes of screen time in this movie. Yeah, it's a shame. Also, it was just, I don't know, maybe we're spoiled with like the Marvel and Star Wars of it all, like all the just de-aging tech in general, but... Dear God, I thought the CG de-aging of Catherine Keener looked absolutely horrific. I was like... <laughs> we're, we're definitely not spoiled with Mark Hamill's de-aging. <laughs> that was like, oh my God. I said that out loud <laughs> while I was watching. Real, real not good. He speaks in They riddles. probably should have just had a, a younger actor, like what they did with Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Very novel concept, huh? <laughs> Can you imagine if they just did a CG de-aging on Ryan Reynolds, but then put that on top of like a 12-year-old's like short body? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you cock gobbler! (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, so what do we think of the action in this one? The CGI, all the ships, the flying. What'd you guys think about that? I I actually have two standout scenes from the action and the CGI. I thought the first time that the Saurian uh, soldiers show up to the house and Ryan Reynolds tackling them and, and using his lightsaber, I thought all that was a really fun scene, especially with 12-year-old Adam kind of running around and being really amazed with all this really cool tech. And then the second scene, I thought the flying scene with younger Adam in the cockpit kind of bouncing around, I thought that was a really fun dogfight. I, I had a great time with that one, too. Those are my exact same two standouts. Really like those as well. I thought overall there wasn't, I guess, as much action as I expected, but that wasn't a bad thing by the end. And what we got looked fun enough. Like, you know, the CG was fine. It's a Netflix thing. So 
I wasn't hoping it would look amazing. Some of the tech I thought was interesting, like the drones and seeing young Adam like put on this like basically virtual headset was cool. Seeing him kind of control everything, had some fun with that. And yeah, I thought the finale was kind of fun too, where they're on the different planes of action, jumping around using the lightsabers again and kind of having that anti-gravity, I guess, element was fun to see. So yeah, I think the action actually kind of surprised me. And I really liked that uh, dogfight scene you mentioned where they're trying to escape and basically just build up enough. That was awesome. Yeah, just like kind of build up enough power to do another time travel jump. So really enjoyed all that stuff. Looked really fun. I was really disappointed with the um, Zoe Saldana final stand because she's like, I've been preparing for this for years. They'll never see me coming. And then she stands in the middle of the road and just shoots her gun a few times. I was like, what the hell is this? I thought we were going to get a badass action scene. I know. They were really building it up there. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. She's about to go off in these guys. And she just shoots one. She just blows up one truck. And then she's like, all right, well, that's it. <laughs> and, she, and she misses every shot on the guy, too. How about we jump into a little more depth on the other central characters? We have lots of Reeds here, lots of members of the Reed family. We got Mark Ruffalo, of course, Jennifer Garner as the mother, and then Zoe Zaldana as his wife, Laura. So I thought pretty much all three of their scenes were kind of used basically as the emotional core of the movie. That's where all the heartfelt scenes came from. I actually thought there was quite a few standouts when it came to that. So what do you guys think of their characters? Any standout scenes? Because I really feel like without kind of their use in the story, they were much more central than I thought, whether it be for actual plot reasons or just, you know, just the emotional side of it. So I, I really enjoyed all three of them. So what do you guys think? Yeah, this is what I was getting at at the beginning when I said there were some heartstrings moments. A lot of that for me comes from just younger Adam interacting with his mom and then later interacting with his dad. I thought those scenes are great. And you can really see the grief in 2022 on his face when he was having to confront the loss of his dad. And then kind of the excitement in 2018 when he gets to go back and see his dad again. All, all that stuff really worked for me. Yeah, that all worked for me as well. I, you could definitely feel the, uh, like the regret in older Adam's uh, mind, especially when he's at the, uh, at the bar with his mom. And they're kind of having that conversation with the that bartender. That was a great scene. That was, yeah, that, yeah, was, that was, was a really cool that scene. That might be the best. I like, too, that uh, older Adam has a lot more perspective when he's actually giving advice to younger Adam instead of just calling him an asshole. And I thought, like, telling him, like, hey, hug your mom, or do you understand what she's going through? And, and I regret every day the way I treated her at this age. All that stuff was awesome, I thought, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, really liked that. I liked that he had the perspective, like you said, but then he also needed a little bit of um, push from young Adam at times because now that he's so much older, he's kind of not necessarily misremembering things, but he's just putting the wrong context on certain things. So he almost allows himself to hate his dad even more when he shouldn't. He's just kind of creating lies almost in his own head. So I liked having young Adam confront him for that too. So yeah, I actually thought they handled trauma pretty well. Like you see it, it's at different stages for both versions of Adam. And yeah, like, like I said, I really thought that scene at the bar with his mom was really standout scene. That one definitely packed a punch, I thought. And then you get kind of the more, I don't know, a little bit predictable, but still, you know, getting a little uh, teary at the very end whenever uh, Mark Ruffalo kind of bids farewell to them. I thought that was a really good scene as well. So definitely, yeah, I wasn't expecting like multiple heartfelt moments, but they really worked. They did a good job with that. So what'd you guys think of the ending? We've already talked about kind of the weird time travel implications, but that aside, what'd you guys think of the closing scenes? And then just if there's anything else that you think we've uh, missed that you want to mention about the Adam Project, now's the time. Yeah, they definitely go for kind of the feel-good ending in this one. Everything kind of gets tied up in a nice little bow. Um, they all kind of get to go back to their future or, or present timelines, and, and they still get kind of everything back, minus, of course, the dad for, for younger Adam. But they get like 
their mom back and they get Zoe Saldana back. So definitely going for the heartwarming stuff here. I did think the catch scene was really nice with Mark Ruffalo. I thought that was kind of a fun way to say goodbye and they kind of like float off. But then the echo stuff is where it's like, I think we needed a bit more um, clarification of how this actually works. And I, I know we kind of teased it earlier. Yeah, no, I like the ending, but I'm with you, Austin. I wish we could have got a little bit more explanation of how the whole echo thing works and, and why they were in the times they were in. Do they have the memories? Yeah, I wonder if it's not supposed to be like memories of all this stuff and maybe it's just like something pulling you in, in that direction, like something pulling Ryan Reynolds and Zoe Saldana together, or maybe something pulling younger Adam to be a bit nicer to his mom. Maybe that's how it works. I, I don't really know. I think they kind of purposefully left it vague just so they could have the happy ending. So sure, I was kind of like, so wait, how does this work? But then I was like, ah, okay, you know, let my love open the door, kicks in, and all my cares are out the window. <laughs> but <laughs> no, in all seriousness, it, it was a very sweet ending. I wasn't expecting to have like a full happy ending, especially after, we didn't talk about it too much, but Zoe Saldana's, like the ending of her last name was kind of dark. I mean, she basically, we don't see it on camera, but she gets shot at by a fucking ship and killed that Catherine Keener mentions later that he killed uh, his wife twice. So it was a little bit goofy, sure, that they just, you know, happened to get back together again under different contexts. But I got to say, maybe I guess Ryan Reynolds and um, Zoe Saldana are good enough actors that just in really two scenes, I thought they really sold their chemistry. I mean, I thought, oh, very yeah. sweet. Great chemistry. Yeah, liked yep. them a lot together. And I liked, I liked that, like, earlier in the movie, older Adam basically tells younger Adam, like, how he met his wife. And he tells the story of, like, oh, you know, it's funny. She walked into the wrong classroom and then. I was like taken with her like so much that I offered to walk her to the right side of campus or whatever. And it's kind of fun in a time travel story, I guess, like seeing that actually happen. And it's also cool because, you know, we talk a lot about trauma with this movie, but you can just see it with Ryan Reynolds acting in the final scene that he's not the same for like old Adam. Like he's somehow over the years been able to process his dad's death and maybe it's through maintaining a better relationship with his mom, but he... I don't know. He looks so much like healthier and happier. Like he looks like he's in a good place at the end, which is nice. And then, yeah, of course, just seeing young Adam hug his mom was was very nice as well. So kind of echoed back to that bar scene where he was like telling Jennifer Garner that like she's like, do you have a good mom? And he's like, I have the best mom. And it's like, oh, that's really sweet. So, yeah, it was a good ending. I loved it. I will say this, too. The snoring with the eyes open. A lot funnier than the fart jokes. I got to say, I agree with you. I quite liked that. That's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> So b before we head into our outro here, I, I got to ask, I mean, Sean Levy has said he wants to be the Dr. Feelgood of Hollywood. That's what he goes for with his movies. He's taking on Deadpool 3, not exactly known for a heartwarming movie in this character. How do you think this is going to work? Clearly him and Ryan Reynolds like working together. He's introducing him to the MCU, which is a lot lighter than the Fox movies have been. I mean, are you interested in this? Are you worried about this? How are you feeling right now after the Adam Project? I guess the first thing I got to ask to you guys is, uh, have you seen Free Guy? Because I haven't. I feel like I that's not. probably going to be the most I've important seen one to watch to see like how Deadpool 3 is going to turn out. They'll probably be kind of similar, I would think. I've seen it. I loved it. I'd highly recommend it to anybody. It's really fun. Ryan Reynolds is still Deadpool, but that setting works a lot more for that type of character. And I'll just tease this. There is a nice little MCU moment in Free Guy. <laughs> Does Robert Downey Jr. come on screen and call him a cock gobbler? <laughs> here's the deal. And he, hey, dude, here's the deal. You're a cock gobbler. And then Ryan's like, <laughs> oh, you cock gobbler. That was my line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think 
I, I'm I, I'm a big fan of the Deadpool character from you know comics and video games and like all the animated stuff he's been in. I'm not actually a huge fan of either of the live action movies. I like Ryan Reynolds in the part, but I do think the best parts of both movies are actually kind of the more heartwarming stuff, like his relationship with his girlfriend, played by Marina Baccarin. So I don't know. I mean, the idea of taking kind of the zaniness and the comedy it sounds like from something like Free Guy and maybe trying to find a story that maybe marries it with some of the more heartfelt and emotional stuff from Adam Project. I mean, I think that could make for a really fun, good, like Deadpool story. So maybe Sean Levy is the guy to do it. I'm intrigued. I'm just, I like the live action Deadpools a a bit more than you do, Matt. And for me, with with the Ryan Reynolds character, I'm worried they're going to tone it down too much and try to make it too family friendly for this character because he is joining the MCU, which, which is very family friendly. I hope they keep it R. I think they've said they, they, they've said they will. They've confirmed it is, yeah. I'm worried they're still going to try it, like keep that R rating, but then also make it approachable for families. Does that mean we're going to get four less cock gobblers, you think? <laughs> or maybe he'll be like, oh, you, you dick gobbler. Oh, <laughs> that would ruin it. That would ruin my precious Deadpool. <laughs> Parents start walking out with their kids out of the theater. <laughs> How dare they? Kevin Feige will be getting an angry letter from me and my son. Ugh, <laughs> my disgust. son. He's writing the letter himself. <laughs> forcing him. He was offended. <laughs> All right, guys, we're having a good time here. But before we fully close out, of course, our final segment is the Arnie's Podcast Awards, where we basically just have to shout out something. It can be positive, it can be negative, but it's the one thing that we feel the movie, TV show, or whatever we're talking about deserves to be awarded for. So, Austin and Keith, what's it going to be today? My award might be a little predictable, but I'm giving Father of the Year to Mark Ruffalo for three instances. One, calling his son a condom with buttons. Very funny. Two, punching his son in the face. And three, telling his grieving younger son that he doesn't want to speak to him. Father of the year right there. Thanks, Mark. Well, this one's also going to be going to Mark. And this is an inverse of an award I gave out a while ago. So in the Devil All the Time, I gave out the Best Omelet Maker Award. And I'm going to the Worst Omelet Maker Award with this one. And that goes to Mark Ruffalo. He burned those eggs. He burned the bacon. Hopefully he can get better at making those omelets. Yeah, his wife looks disgusted by the fact that he even tried to touch the stove. She called him a borderline serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do another easy one, but it like gave me such a guttural reaction that I have to award it. And it is just going to be the worst CGI de-aging tech. And I'm sorry, but it goes to whoever was leading the charge of Catherine Keener's younger self. Ugh, just a real, a real shocker. It's also tough when you have like current day Catherine Keener. like in the same scene with her. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's what Catherine Keener looks like. And then you look at this monstrosity standing next to her. It's like, ew, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Would you rather watch a six-hour show with Catherine Keener's de-aged self or six hours of Luke Skywalker's de-aged voice? I would go with Luke Skywalker's de-aged voice just because I was laughing every time he was like, oh, look, it is Grogu. He reminds me of somebody I used to know Yoda. So, he speaks in riddles. He speaks in riddles. So I, I could take, honestly, 24 hours of that beautifully hollow, emotionless robot voice. All right. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. 
We'll be back next Tuesday for another Bracket episode. With award season going on, we've grabbed the top 12 movies off the IMDb Top 250 list, and we're going to do a bracket determining which is the best definitively, without any pause, any cause for concern. We are deciding, my friends, the greatest movie of all time. So it's going to be a tough one since these are all really good movies. So are you guys looking forward to that? I really don't think you can win an award without being a three hour plus movie because all of these are. And uh, unfortunately, I have to watch two of the Lord of the Rings movies and I'm not looking forward to that. I got to watch them as well. Hopefully I'm going to like them this time. Yeah. For those that don't know, it's the first and the third movie that are on the list. So Austin and Keith are going to have to decide if they want the context of the second one going into the third one. Uh, also, if you want to hear our thoughts on Robert Pattinson or Battinson, as folks are calling him these days, uh, last week we put out our review on the new The Batman movie. And the week before that, if you want to hear our thoughts on Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, Christian Bale, all the Batman, we did a whole Batman at the box office episode. So be sure to go back to that one as well if you want to hear our thoughts on all the previous iterations of Batman in live action. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of the Adam Project? Are you looking forward to this reteam for Deadpool 3? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right. So everybody, hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time for the Top 12 IMDb Bracket. And with that, all I have left to say is, see you next time, you cock gobblers. Mm-hmm.